0: and welcome to the CU Insight Network podcast. My name is Lauren Kolb. I'm the publisher and CEO at cuinsight.com. And it's my job on this show to have conversations with the thought leaders who support the credit union community. We get to identify the issues that affect credit unions and really talk about those best practices that exist so that we can all learn from one another and improve our credit unions together. My guest on today's show is Steph Luck, the VP of Sales at Trelens. I'm really excited about this conversation. Steph, thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Lauren.
0: I'd love to start off with all of these episodes the same way, which is to say that most of us didn't grow up thinking that we would work with credit unions. And so I'm curious, what did you want to be growing up?
1: Great question. So I'm going to date myself here, but growing up, my mom was an avid ER watcher. It's an American drama series from the 90s for anyone not familiar with that show. (laughs) And I watched it with her, whether that was uh, good being a child or not. But I was convinced uh, based on that show that I was going to be an ER doctor and help save lives. Now, obviously, I'm not saving lives or babies with what I'm doing today. But I am excited. I found Credit Union Land where we really get to save and improve members' financial lives.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's a a great parallel. I love that. So then what was the journey like to your role now as VP of sales at Trellance?
1: Yeah, I could sum it up to say it was a bit of a wayward journey in the beginning. Since I felt (laughs) healthcare was my calling, I did try my hand in dentistry and nursing. And actually, while working as a nursing assistant, I took a part-time job as a teller to pay for school. And I realized that role was really an instant match for me and my skill set. So I decided to pursue a career in the financial services industry. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about working in credit unions and for financial services. The sky is the limit. So since I jumped in, I was able to progress into lending, training and management roles at a credit union I worked at in Wisconsin. And from there, I went over to Keno Mutual Group, where I enjoyed 9 wonderful years working with credit unions throughout the nation on their lending and payment protection programs. And when data and analytics really started to get legs a few years ago in our space, I knew that was where I wanted to go next. So when the opportunity at Trellance came up in February of 2022, I jumped at it. And it has been just such a fun journey.
0: That is so cool. And it's really interesting to hear about sort of the initial sort of healthcare side. And there are so many interesting kind of dependencies between your financial health and your physical health and well-being. So it's, it's really interesting that you ended up on this side of things. But as we kind of have seen through some research, really having that financial well-being enables you to be physically <laughs> healthy as well.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: So interesting. Well, for Trellins then, so you moved over to Trelins. It really, I know there's a lot of great work that you all do with data analytics and a bunch of other things, but what's the elevator pitch that you give folks about what you really do and where you're adding value for credit unions?
1: Yeah, thanks for letting me share. So Trellins has been around for the last 33 years supporting the credit union movement. We are a not-for-profit cooperative. So we are owned and developed by credit unions. And we are really um, focused in on helping credit unions to solve their business problems through our various solutions on the business analytics and talent services side. Uh, We really, I, I like to sum it up to say, whether a credit union is beginning on their journey or they're well along their way and wondering what's next, we can really partner with them wherever they are on their journey to help turn their data into insights. And this is the key piece figure out how to take action on those insights.
0: Absolutely. I know it can be overwhelming <laughs> the amount of data that we all have. And and so credit unions do work hard to show up really competitively in financial services. But I think the data side is is a real opportunity for us. And I know you're a strong believer in the competitive advantage that credit unions can really gain by being more sophisticated in our use of data. But it, it of course, can seem overwhelming. So are there misconceptions about data? and And if so, what would you share with credit unions around that?
1: I think the biggest misconception I hear is more around the data journey, to be specific. And this idea that there's a set path of steps that need to be completed in a certain order. In reality, there's really no single right way because every credit union's journey is unique and it ultimately should be determined by their specific strategic priorities and member needs. So I'd sum it up to say, um, and we referenced this in a recent white paper that we posted, that a credit union's data-driven journey is less of a straight line and more of a choose-your-own-adventure, like those books that many of us enjoyed <laughs> when we were young.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes total sense. So, I would say that you know many listening right now are maybe thinking that the choose-your-own-adventure really is great because you can kind of personalize it. But where would you say they should start? Do you have any tips or ideas for for where to
1: start that journey? Absolutely. And just knowing where to start is is really the key. So I would encourage every credit union to begin with the exercise of defining the why behind it. So why do they want to become data driven? And what does that look like or mean for their organization? And that'll allow them to clearly define where they're starting and how they'll actually know that they're successful along their way and be able to track those key wins along the journey. Because it truly is a journey. And to be data-driven, it's, it's a way of doing business. So it's it's not an end point, so to say. There's not necessarily a finish line, at least that anyone has identified at this point. It keeps evolving and becoming more sophisticated. So it's important to figure out how you, you ensure that you know you're being successful and going the right direction. I'd also recommend keeping in mind that becoming data-driven isn't just about technology. It's really about culture change. And this can be a really unique shift for certain credit unions based on their existing people, their different processes in place, their technologies. So I'd say to keep an eye on that, you'll know that you're being successful when you, your key leaders, anyone at the credit union, because everyone is really a data steward, when you're making decisions based on data and moving away from making decisions based on gut feelings or experience.
0: That is a really great piece of insight and you know, it's so interesting because I think as credit unions have evolved, sometimes we're a little bit behind the times in in some of our technology. And, and I know so many credit unions right now are working really hard to to become sort of leading in terms of the technology that they have. But for a lot of them, there are maybe legacy systems or siloed data. I like to tell the story that uh, not too long ago, just a handful of years ago, I was, I was working at a credit union in, in a commercial lending department and we had paper files in a drawer and that's where... Oh. <laughs> the (laughs) What do you recommend for Cardinians that might have some either legacy systems and processes or siloed data and, and how they can really evolve that?
1: Sure. So that paper file brings me back. I just have to say that that reminded me of my days on the lending side. And things yeah. to wet signature and notary requirements, <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get away from paper completely. But we can hold out hope, right?
0: Yep. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> so as far as siloed data, or sometimes you'll, you'll hear it referred to like fragmented data, it, it certainly is common. And it happens, as many of us know, because Credit unions have a lot of different sources, systems, departments, channels. Like you said, there's sometimes paper files still in place. So the problem is that every source of data is left to define its own truth. And in some cases, that could contradict or not align with another data source, which could ultimately cause confusion. So for this specifically, I'd recommend starting with a focus on standardization and consistency with data in, in each of its silos. And that'll allow the credit union to improve data integrity. When and if they get to a point of kind of merging those silos or breaking down those barriers, it'll make it easier to put that data together and ultimately share it across the organization to use that to drive action. And I'll also put one more plug around data integrity. Uh, When a credit union comes across issues uh, of of integrity, or sometimes we'll say bad data, uh, don't just fix the mistake. Find out the root cause, why that issue is happening, and, and go there and determine how to fix that so you don't have to keep being reactive and fixing each mistake along the way.
0: That makes a ton of
1: sense to me. <laughs> yeah, and that's the key piece of the the foundation. You know, I, I say every journey is is again choose your own adventure, but that is a great place to start to know that you're starting with quality data, and from there, really, this is where it kind of branches out. So, when a credit union's building their unique roadmap, they can build a full roadmap, or if that seems overwhelming, they can start with just one goal. So for some credit unions, that could mean establishing an organization-wide vision for breaking down those data silos, uh, maybe creating a single source of truth via a data warehouse or a lake house. But in some cases, that's just not doable due to time, resources, or budget constraints. So for that, we'd recommend taking maybe a bottom-up approach. Just identify and plan for one data goal at a time, and then keep building on that momentum one goal at a time.
0: Oh, that, that is so much good information for so many folks on, on, you know, even where to start and how to get going. And I'm curious, what do you think the process should really look like once they've kind of identified where they want to start, what they want to do? And, and if it's, you know, a high impact project, maybe what should the process look like after you've built that adventure for yourself?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'll, I'll take a step back before I kind of jump into that answer, because I think this will help lay the foundation. So at Trellens, we talk about data analytics in terms of four key pillars. But contrary to popular belief, you don't necessarily need to approach the pillars in a certain order. So the four data pillars that, that we've identified are data management, descriptive analytics, predictive analytics, and prescriptive analytics. So I bring this up because it would be really helpful for a credit union to understand what they currently have in place around each of these pillars. And in some cases, it could be nothing. And that's that's totally okay. Uh, and then identify which one best aligns with the priorities or goals that they've identified Um, from the start. So what are their strategic initiatives? Or maybe what are the top goals for each of their different business units? So from there, that'll inform which pillar they need to focus on to get started. And then they can design their unique roadmap from there. And we actually... That white paper I mentioned that we published, it's called How to Build Your Data Maturity Action Plan... I highly, highly recommend taking a look at that. It's equipped with tools, checklists, and even a quiz to help you figure out where you are in the midst of those pillars, determine where you want to be, and then the specific actions to take to get there.
0: That is amazing. Well, we will definitely link to that for folks here. And I know as we sort of look to the future... Obviously, I'm the, the technology world, data world continuing to evolve really rapidly, but I know the economy is on everyone's mind. What are the new trends that you're seeing really emerging in financial services and what's Trellins' focus for the road ahead then?
1: I'll confess, this isn't a new trend, but this was the first thing that came to mind because it's really a new conversation around this concept, which is the cloud, right? <laughs> Many yeah. of us have heard it. It's been around for a while. But I'd say it's a new conversation because even though the cloud you know, has promised to change the technology landscape since the early 2000s, it really took some time to gain momentum in the business world and especially in the financial services sector. So for almost a decade, you know, the uncertainty around security, concern about implementation, it prevented a lot of financial institutions and credit unions specifically from fully embracing cloud solutions. And we've seen that really continue to evolve and get to a point where most credit unions' past concerns or trepidations have been alleviated. So now the primary question or conversation that I see emerging is not if, a credit union should move to the cloud, but when. So because of that, really, we've been focused on helping to educate credit unions on the benefits of the cloud and execute a strategy on on how to get there. So that's been a a really hot topic, I'd say, for the, the last few quarters and going into 23. We've got a lot of conversations scheduled. Additionally, there's so many exciting things we're focusing on for the road ahead. So instead of naming off a million, I'll pick just one. (laughs) Um, So I'm really excited about some of the, the new predictive models that we're focusing on building out for next year. These will further leverage AI and machine learning, which are already part of our existing models, but really take them to the next level and essentially build off of the models that exist today. And as most credit unions know, if they have predictive models in place, or they're considering a solution, that is a, a wonderful way to enable strategic decision making and really start to take action on your data.
0: I think that is so valuable for so many credit unions. I'm, I'm really excited to see the ways that the industry starts to, to your point, you know, lean into some of the some of the technology that's out there in AI and in predictive modeling and, and all of the cool things that can happen. And I know credit unions have been so good at member service for so long, but these days, ease of use and speed and things like that are what people are associating with good member service. So it really is kind of core to the mission of credit unions to be able to offer some of these things to
1: our members. Absolutely. And and along those lines, I'll I'll jump into a little sneak peek further um, because this is the one that I'm really, really excited about. So one of our predictive models that we currently offer is called Next Best Product. And it's really focused on identifying what is that Next Best product to to build a secure relationship with the member based off of the persona group that they fall in and, and their existing relationship with the credit union. From there, though, we can identify that in some cases, a product isn't necessarily the next best thing for specific members. So Mm -hmm. that next model that's building off that base of next best product is called next best action. And it's expanded more to consider, are there different services or things that a credit union could do to better serve that member? And it may not be product specific. So it's really focused in on creating that stickier relationship, but also helping credits deliver on that personalized member service
0: that's so exciting and and I think to your point you know that the communities that we serve are really diverse and the ways that we need to meet them where they are can can be really diverse too so it's so cool to hear about some of that being kind of woven into the the consideration there exactly right. well as we wrap up the show and I feel like I could talk to you all day and, and just kind of hear more about the things you're working on but As we wrap up here, I'd like to have some fun with rapid fire questions to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. We always like to say the questions are rapid, but your answers don't have to be. So if you're ready, we will jump in.
1: Let's do it.
0: (laughs) All right. First question. What's a recent purchase you didn't know you needed that has just become something you
1: can't live without? Oh, hands down an eye mask. (laughs) I'm not afraid to admit it. I am now an avid eye mask user. It is a lifesaver to fall asleep uh, when traveling. Sometimes hotel rooms aren't quite dark enough or you got to get a nap on the plane. I cannot go anywhere without my eye mask. (laughs) That's
0: great. That's It's so simple. But I've been known to like throw towels over hotel curtains before because they are just not, they're not closed all the way. Like there's a little red light in the corner.
1: This way you don't have to worry about it. Just get a little extra one. Keep it in your suitcase. You're good to go.
0: I never even thought of it. (laughs) All right. When you hear the word success, who's the first person that comes to mind for you and why?
1: Oh man. Okay, so I have a, a little pickle with this question. Let me tell you why. So, <laughs> so when I think of success, my mind immediately goes to actions versus people, because you know success is of course an outcome of the choices and the actions we take, maybe with a little luck thrown in. And you know where where I go is, you know, so many people that I come across each day are successful in in their own way. So to me, the thing that comes to mind is really that you know success. I would say is is really driven by people who are comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone, being okay, being uncomfortable until eventually we do get comfortable in that, that new comfort zone. And then we need to push our boundaries again. So I realized that's a terrible answer. But I was like, you know what, I got to be totally honest. I, I wouldn't say there's a specific person always because it's ever changing, <laughs> especially as we you know focus on celebrating quick wins with our credit unions, for example, or you know different successes with our team members within Trellant's.
0: That is a great answer, though. I, I love that. I think the con- constant growth is, is success. So that, that's mm-hmm. awesome. All right. A random question for you. What are you listening to most right now? Is it podcasts, audiobooks,
1: music? What is it? I'd say it's a tie between podcasts and of course, my Apple Music. Uh, I'm always searching for for new music to kind of pass drive time or have available at the gym. Uh, but I do love listening to Audible. And I've been able to get back into my regular cadence <laughs> of audiobooks now that we're back on the road. I've always right. loved using windshield time and flight time to catch up on some some, uh, audible reading. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, that leads pretty well into my next question for you. What, any, any books that you've gifted or, or what books do you think just everyone should read?
1: Sure. So I, I have two, and I'll say it's because I tend to juggle a fiction and a nonfiction book at the same time. Like I'll have one, uh, one going on Kindle and one going on audible. So I have something to go to depending on where I'm at. So my absolute favorite fiction book, and this would be the one that I most gift, uh, is Ted Chang called Exhalation Stories. It's a, a compilation of short stories, kind of the scientific nature, but it's just it's just really unique. And I struggle to find a way to describe it. So that's why I just give it to people. So <laughs> just check <laughs> it out. <laughs> really easy, quick read. Uh, and then for nonfiction, so this one I... I was not sure if I'd enjoy it, but we actually covered it during a college course that I was taking. And it's called Designing Your Life. And I know that may turn some people away, especially if they're like, I already got my life figured out. I'm pretty far down the line. But I think this would be beneficial for all of us at any point in our life because... The concepts are written, I think they're from Stanford, two Stanford professors, but essentially they talk about how to apply design thinking. Like, you know, when you think about the Mm -hmm. iPhone being created, that type of design thinking, how you could apply that to your life. And that was just such an awesome book to read, and they give you some exercises to do. I highly recommend taking a look at that one.
0: Okay. Well, I have two new books to add to my list and we'll link to those here for all of our listeners. So in the show notes of the post, you'll be able to find those. Let's say the calendar is empty. And so speaking of design thinking around building your life, what does your free time look like?
1: Sure. So I think most people that know me probably chuckle at this question. I absolutely love the gym, especially weightlifting and spinning. I I joke that is how I keep my sanity. So I I make sure to, to, uh, to prioritize that just like brushing my teeth and make it a regular part of my day. I also recently took up piano playing again. So... I had a keyboard and I realized that my issue was it didn't feel like a real piano because I played piano growing up and then I got away from it in middle school was when it wasn't cool anymore. <laughs> 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 and I found that there's these keyboards now that feel like a real piano. They have weighted keys. So I decided to invest in one and I have just been loving tickling the old ivories, as we say, (laughs) Um, and and I I try to make a point of doing it every night when I'm not traveling. And I'll say that that time just flies when I'm practicing. I found an awesome app to to guide me through it and help me refresh myself. And that's like a time where I can just zone out and don't have a care in the world. Mm -hmm.
0: So great. Well, I can't say that I am playing piano, but I am an avid spinning person too, and I've been known to drag a few folks at conferences (laughs) out to a class every once in a while. If we're ever at a conference together, I'll have to meet you up. Meet up for a class at some point.
1: (laughs) Yes, I'd love to.
0: (laughs) Amazing. All right. Well, we're going to link to everything we've talked about today in the show notes. But my last question for you, Steph, is. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share or final asks of our listeners today?
1: So I do have an ask from our listeners. I'd love to hear about the successes they've had using data, if they have started on their journey or or maybe tackled some specific projects, because we're all really still uncovering the endless possibilities of use cases out there. So one thing I'd I'd continue to, to recommend, let's just keep sharing and growing together and we'll continue to evolve. And if this conversation was helpful, and any, any listeners out there want to dig in further, um, again, please check out that white paper I mentioned. Or if you want to have more of a you know, customized conversation to your credit union what you're experiencing, give me a shout on LinkedIn or, or anyone here at Trellance. We are here to help. Amazing.
0: We're going to link to contact information for Steph and her team. So if you are interested in getting in touch with the team at Trellins, that will also show up in the show notes here. Steph, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a really fun conversation and I uh, really enjoyed having you. Hope you stay well. And thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning into the CU Insight Network. And we will be back again next time.